I wanted to promote the animal and focus on what's right about this animal. Just because we don't get along with other dogs doesn't mean that this isn't an amazing dog for a family. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, we welcome Scott Poor, founder of Mission Driven Goods, an online boutique for animal lovers. Scott and his team are doing amazing things for shelter pets in Kansas City and beyond. If you're new to this podcast, in each episode, we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We save each other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love dog words. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. Thank you to everyone who's downloaded, subscribed, rated, and shared dog words. Now that you're a follower of the podcast, take the next step and become a participant. Let us know what you want to hear. Go to rosiefund.org and send suggestions for topics and guests. We especially want to hear from our international listeners. We have so many more of you than we expected to have when we launched this podcast. Dici cosa voi sentire e raccontaci dei tuoi cani, per favore. And everyone, please follow Rosie Fund on social media, especially the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel that offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, and Shelter Dogs, including some exclusive content. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today, we welcome Scott Poor, founder of Mission Driven to Dog Words. Glad you could join us today, Scott. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. First, tell our listeners what Mission Driven is. Just a little backstory on me. I spent most of my adult life in corporate America and just became really consumed with that lifestyle, very driven on materialistic things. It just, uh, you know, I was turning into a, a person that I wasn't really brought up to be very focused on how much money can Scott make and what's the, you know, the nicest car I can drive. And I just reached a point halfway through my adulthood where I realized this isn't who I want to be. And it was a powerful moment for me because it, it changed everything, at least in regards to my career path, my volunteerism, and I quit my job. I gave everything up and stepped back trying to, quote unquote, find myself, and I started volunteering at the animal shelter where I fell in love with that world. I knew that it would be hard to make a career out of that because most people that work at animal shelters have a few jobs. They don't pay well. It's nonprofit world. They don't have the money to pay well. And I knew if I was going to dedicate my life to helping homeless pets, I was going to have to create my own path. And that's hence mission driven. It's a clothing line I started six, almost six years ago because I wanted a business that would be an online business that would be sustainable, that would allow me to spend my days in shelters. And that was the whole point of Mission Driven, coming from a guy that knew nothing about clothing, knew nothing about running a business, nothing about apparel. My ratio of customers from female to male is about 90% female. I definitely didn't know anything about women's clothing. So it's been quite a ride. There's a common theme through a lot of the interviews we've done with people who've answered a calling. For instance, with Barkay, Labe, and Dave had not run a restaurant, let alone a dog park restaurant, because really nobody had that they knew or that I knew. Russell Clothier with Shep's Place, school teacher, didn't know anything about nonprofit, and as he admits in his interview, wasn't even a dog person. 
but felt this calling to help in some way. So you changed how you were keeping score in life, that it wasn't about a paycheck or a car. It was about helping and dogs in particular. Why dogs? I've always loved dogs and cats. I'm actually uh, just, so we're on the record, I don't do a lot of cat videos, and I always like to explain why I am deathly allergic to cats. No medication has ever worked, but dogs are, are something I've had in my life. I've been blessed to have a family that loves animals, and I just love animals so much. They don't have a voice, and dogs to me there's so many in the animal shelter system. There, there's so many people that are breeding that shouldn't be. And when I was volunteering, specific dogs really caught my attention. Every animal shelter that you walk into is pretty much the same in the sense that they always have a long row of dogs. And at the very end is that one dog that's lived there the longest. I'm telling you, if you walk in 10 shelters, they're all the same in that sense. And when I was volunteering, I obviously fell in love with all the animals in the building, but I was so intrigued by that dog at the end of the row. That's actually the real inspiration to my work is helping long-term shelter pets find homes. So that was really a moving moment, a powerful moment, a defining moment when I started realizing that every shelter had that particular dog and I wanted to help that dog. All those dogs that seem to languish in a shelter, every one of them that I've ever met or heard about is loved by the volunteers, is loved by the staff. You never hear about a dog that's been in a shelter for a year or two, and you'll have a staff member say, uh, yeah, I can't wait till this dog gets out of here and gets out of my hair. It's, it's, it's the bane of my existence. And they're going to be heartbroken because they're going to miss that dog but they want it to find its forever home. If you ask them why it's been there for so long, they can give you reasons that it's a senior dog or it has medical issues or it's, it's dog aggressive. But every day, dogs get adopted that are senior, have medical issues, are dog aggressive, or some combination of that, or are a breed that is um, discriminated against. But then there will be this one dog that for whatever reason doesn't get adopted. Have you seen any common themes that would differentiate those dogs from the other challenged dogs that find their way out of the shelter? Well, I think you, you really hit on a point that, that means something to me. You know, the volunteers get to know the animals really, really well. We get to know their challenges. We get to understand their behavior. And I think the issue with long-term shelter cats and dogs is potential adopters want that immediate gratification. They mm -hmm. want that dog to jump in their lap. They want that wet kiss. They want their dog to be best friends with this new dog right away. And that's the difference. You know, most people don't have the patience and I understand why it's exciting to go adopt an animal, but you know, volunteers see that behavior. They understand that behavior and they understand how to manage that behavior. And it's sad, but you know, that's why I am so focused and dedicated on, you know, I want to help all animals, but really those are the ones that, that I feel like I can help the most. You mentioned you shoot videos with dogs and not with cats. Let's connect the dots for people because you talked about mission-driven being clothing and other goods that you sell. There's lots of businesses that sell things and then give profits to charity but they're not shooting videos, Scott. Right. right. Where, how did the videos become part of it? 
When I um, left corporate America and started working with some of those shelter dogs that had been there for so long, I was on my Facebook. I started shooting videos and my videos started getting a lot of attention. I, I, I think I credit that to uh, you follow certain animals on animal shelter pages. And a lot of times you see the beginning of the story, but you don't really see it full circle. I was posting the initial video of, Hey, this is, you know, Ralph and Ralph's been here for a year and a half and Ralph needs a quiet home. And I was giving people updates on, okay, are people coming to meet Ralph? What's going on? And then I always came around full circle and let everybody know when Ralph found his forever home. And I think that's why people really started enjoying my social media. I started having some success. And then, of course, all of a sudden, my social media grows and animal shelters all say, wait a second, you know, we've been trying forever to get this animal a home and and this guy's having success. So people really started wanting to work with me and uh, and it was great. It was an amazing thing. I never had any intentions of having a big social media following. It was never even in the in the plan. The plan was to just shoot a video and hope that one person saw it that, that wants to, you know, choose to save a life that day. And that's really where it all began. I can't even tell you, like, there's no owner's manual for what's going on in my world with social media. It is the most bizarre and exciting thing I've ever dealt with and the most powerful tool that I have for animal rescue. I think that's the second lesson for our listeners, especially ones who are interested in entrepreneurship or starting a not-for-profit, is you don't have to be an expert any more than you or Russell or Dave or Leigh, but also there's no playbook. You have to be willing to pivot. You had the great idea with Mission Driven, Right. But part of that plan wasn't, and we'll shoot these videos, but once you recognized the value of the videos, you didn't say, well, that wasn't the plan. You realized, no, that's that's the new plan. Correct. You know, the social media thing was when I started about six years ago and I was posting videos, I had about 300 friends on Facebook, which in real life, you know, I've got seven friends, but I had 293 that followed me. And as my videos started gaining in popularity, so did my social media. And you mentioned the videos. My videos six years ago are drastically different than my videos today because I've made adjustments. I've paid attention to what people focus in on. I know what it takes to get a lot of shares for a particular video. And I didn't know those things because it was all trial and error. I try to keep all of my videos positive. I don't like to dwell on the negativity or, you know, a lot of animals have really sad past, whether it's abuse, neglect, a surrender from a family. Mm -hmm. And I'm never against the idea of mentioning how the animal got to the shelter, but I want to focus on the future, not the past. And I think the animal does as well. And I think that's another reason why people appreciate my content on social media. Do you think part of that came from your background in sales, which I realize you weren't a realtor, but when someone's selling a house, they talk about the potential of the house, right. not what's wrong with it. Correct. And, and I did have a sales background. I think so. You know, I think paying it, one of the things that, that, that I do uh, 
a, pr- a pretty good job of is, is I really pay attention to what my followers are asking, what kind of comments they're making, what kind of questions they're asking about the animal when I'm focused on those videos. And I've just kind of learned the exact amount of information I need to provide to have a successful video. And I've also learned the difference between photography versus video work on social media. I can shoot a video of a dog or have a video sent to me of a dog. And if I shoot a video with me and the dog next to each other, I get twice the shares. I don't think it's because I've got a beautiful face mm-hmm. um, or, you know, a charming personality. You don't think I people think, are stalking you? Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I, I, I wouldn't if I were them. But no, you know, I think people appreciate seeing me with the animal. I think they, 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 there's an investment there for me. And I prefer to shoot my content with the animals. I think it also makes it easier for someone to visualize themselves with the dog, seeing another human, you, with the dog. Because it gives context that I think is more appealing than just seeing, here's this dog sitting on a bench or sitting in a kennel. Here's a dog loving a guy. It's like, I want that dog to love me. Right. And I really take a lot of pride in what I do, my work. And you can give me all the information you want about an animal that's been in a shelter. But if I go to that shelter and spend 30 minutes with the dog, I'm going to tell a completely different story than I would have with just an email's worth of information. And I have a much higher success rate when I'm there at the shelter with the animal. Plus, you know, I don't know if you followed me on social media Mm -hmm. for a while, you'll notice that I spend a lot of time in smaller shelters, rural shelters. I like to expose those organizations to my followers because I have a very generous group of people that share my posts, that donate to my campaigns, that believe in my work. And they trust that if I'm going somewhere, and telling a story, it's the truth. And not only do I like to help the animals in those groups, I like to bring those groups front and center so people start following them, maybe adopting from them and, of course, supporting through donations, monetary and products. So to me, it's always a full package project when I'm helping an animal. I'm usually doing my best to help the group as well. The link for your website will be in the description of this episode so that people can then take the next step to follow you on social media. You mentioned that you don't just rely on the notes that you get from from a shelter. With Rosie Fund, we also do feature videos on dogs, and the shelters will have notes that the dog is not good on a leash or won't go back in its kennel. But then I'll find when I walk it, it's like the dog's great on a leash or... I have no trouble getting it to go back into its kennel if you take it on a long enough walk. A lot of times the notes on a shelter are based on this is the initial contact and those shelter employees are so burdened with intake and processing adoptions and making sure everyone's got their meds and is getting fed that updating notes can sometimes take a back seat. And so I'm I'm honest like you are with what we say about the dog that This is a dog that when she comes out of the kennel, she's got a lot of energy built up. So we went for a nice little run and now see what a patient, attentive, calm, sociable dog she is now and let people know that uh, that little test drive that you might have gotten getting it out of the kennel on your own or not on your own, but with a, uh, a volunteer, that first 20 seconds, that's not the dog you're adopting. The dog you're adopting is the one that's out of a kennel, gotten to have a run 
gotten to play a little bit in the park because that's the dog you're going to get. So that's the dog you want to show on the video. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people, it's kind of like going to a car dealership. They're going to want to test drive the fancy looking car, the clean car, the car that doesn't have any dents. And uh, the beat up car doesn't get a test drive. The difference between a car and a dog is a dog can look pretty beat up and still be a great dog. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. And you, you touched on something, too, that brings me back to when I first started this journey with Animal Rescue. And I mentioned earlier about, quote, unquote, the dog at the end of the row and at every animal shelter. Well, I was a little frustrated, even though I understood that the shelter has liability and they, they, they want to protect people from the potential with an animal but I always read those kennels and the signs and and it all it talked about was what was wrong with the dog Mm -hmm. and and that really frustrated me because I wanted to promote the animal and focus on what's right about this animal just because we don't get along with other dogs doesn't mean that this isn't an amazing dog for a family And, and some shelters I think what you said about they just kind of, they don't update notes and whatnot. They get so used to hearing that when they promote their animals, they, it's like, Hey, you know, here we go. We've got fluffy in the corner. You know, fluffy doesn't like this, doesn't like this, doesn't like him, doesn't like her. And in my videos, I would mention the important things, but I focused on what was right about fluffy. Mm -hmm. And I talked about this dog may not get along with other dogs, but you know what? He's perfect around children. He loves being walked on a leash. He's, loves playing ball, can't go to a dog park because he wants to be spoiled all by himself with humans. I tried to focus on bringing a little bit of positive into that negative, and I think it helps promote them. It's not misleading. It's appropriate framing because maybe that fluffy that doesn't get along with other dogs, if you have a dog that's really sociable and loves to play with other dogs, it would not be ideal for that dog to be adopted by a trucker. Right. Because it's not going to see other dogs. It's not going to get that socialization that it enjoys. But a dog that is dog aggressive is going to love being your companion in that truck. Correct. I I really agree with you. And uh, I think throwing some positivity in with some of those really long-term, because I've worked with some shelter dogs. I think the one that's lived in a shelter the longest that I helped was seven years. And that was a dog down by the Lake of the Ozarks named Ginger. And boy, you know, the the organization, great people down there. But when you read her profile, I mean, it was Ginger doesn't like this and Ginger doesn't like that. And sadly, that's not a good read for a potential adopter. And like you said, I would never lie to somebody. I would never mislead them. But I'm also going to talk about what Ginger has to offer versus what you can't do with Ginger. Mm -hmm. And we were fortunate enough to find her a home. And not only in my world, it's not about just a home for those types of dogs. It's the perfect home because you need the perfect home for an animal like that. You don't want that dog coming back. No. Which is, aside from the ethics of not being misleading, it is a disservice to the dog because it doesn't put them in the right environment. And you talked about the notes on Ginger. That means Ginger isn't even getting seen. Because somebody looks at if it's a shelter that has bios online or they come in and ask for a dog that meets a particular criteria, Ginger doesn't even make it through the screening and get seen. Correct. What is mission driven up to now? What sort of initiatives are are ongoing? 
So mission driven and just for your listeners to understand. So we're not a 501c3. I'm actually working on that on a separate 501c3 right now. But mission driven is a for profit clothing line that funds me and my dog puts food in his bowl and uh, the same for me and also funds all of my animal rescue work. So I don't ask for cash donations from people. When I travel three hours to an animal shelter and spend a full day with videos and a photographer and all that, I pay for that. That comes out of my uh, money generated from my clothing line. So, you know, I always like to tell people that because when you're buying a shirt, you're not just buying a shirt. You really are helping me continue my work. And that means the world to me. Now you ask about projects. Oh boy, I stay so busy. I'd say the biggest project I'm working on right now is one of my goals about two years ago, I started a campaign for doggy playgrounds. So my goal with the doggy playground is I want to offer something for shelter dogs to give them enrichment, some stimulation, some exercise. A lot of times at shelters, the dog may get out two times, three times to go potty. And that's the extent of their day. And they need that enrichment for their body and their mind. So these doggy playgrounds are about 25 feet by 25 feet. They've got steps, they've got ramps, they've got hooks with ropes hanging on them. They make a perfect backdrop for photo shoots when the shelter is going to promote the animals. We build them specifically to have an arch with a sign for them to shoot adoption photos around. These playgrounds mean the world to me, and they're not just a playground. There's so much more to them. So two years ago, we started. I just fundraised and was able to raise enough money to build my sixth doggy playground. So we've got five currently in the Kansas City area and slightly out side of Kansas City. And I'm so excited. My most recent is going to be for Always and Forever, which is a senior sanctuary in Spring Hill. And we're custom building this one to not have any steps. It's going to be all ramps. So every single senior dog can enjoy the playground. And I, I can't tell you how excited I am about that. Anybody who wants to contribute to that effort, it's pretty easy. You just go to Mission Driven and make a purchase. And it goes to this and other projects. Correct. And we always have a GoFundMe up. Um, Fundraising accountability is incredibly important to me. So we don't want people to donate cash to us. We definitely appreciate the clothing purchases, but we will always have a GoFundMe going as well, just uh, for people that want to make a quick cash donation. So six of them down. And, uh, you know, I'm going to donate one to every shelter in our community that has the space for one. And I couldn't do that without the support of my followers. Every week on Dog Words, I remind our listeners to follow us on social media that even if you don't make a contribution, just following us on social media gives us more exposure. Same way for Mission Driven. Follow Mission Driven online because you sharing what Scott posts gets more exposure and increases the likelihood that, one, someone might adopt that animal, but two, someone else might now follow And then when they share, it's just that viral nature of social media. The more you share, the more something gets shared. You can help us both out. And we're not in competition. I I think sometimes people are, and I've gotten this feedback that, well, why did you ask someone to donate to Shep's Place instead of to Rosie Fund? Because if Shep's Place helps a dog, that's the goal of Rosie Fund. It's not this limited population. We want to help all the dogs. We're on the same team, mission-driven, Casey Pet Project, Shep's Place, 
we're on the same team competing against apathy. That's our opponent. So follow us, follow Mission Driven, follow Shep's Place, get the word out that there's these wonderful dogs that you can help, and uh, let's take steps to move good dogs out of the shelter and into good homes because that's going to help the staff and volunteers give even more attention, more enrichment for the pets that are still there. If you can help us out by trimming the population, spay and neuter also, but then adopting dogs and spreading the word of mission-driven. What do you see for the future for your organization and for you? You know, I've got some goals. With our social media, kind of, you know, I can't think of another word other than blowing up. We get so many requests that it's becoming um, a little tricky to come up with our, our true identity. So I'm transitioning my model into focusing almost exclusively on the longest term animals in each animal shelter. And I want to continue to do that work. I just want to expand my reach. Kansas City will always be my backyard and always my number one focus with animal rescue. But there's animals all over the country that need help. And honestly, if what I'm doing is working and what they're doing is not working, I just want people to be open to communicating and working together. One of my biggest goals that um, some groups struggle with is I want everybody to work together. You just nailed it with talking about donations. Shelters don't always work together, but gosh, how much stronger would we be if we did? And that's an underlying goal for me. And then finally, I want to continue to grow my clothing line because the the bigger it grows, the more resources I'm provided to help shelter pets. And I really look forward to a day that I can start traveling, helping organizations around the country that just need a helping hand. They need some advice. They need some suggestions from somebody that's had a little bit of success. And that's my ultimate goal. You talked about how there wasn't a playbook. You traveling around the country saves other organizations from having to reinvent the wheel and making mistakes that you've already learned from. Correct. You know, I'm, I, I, there's not, I'm not perfect by any means, but I have made a lot of mistakes and thankfully I've found ways, you know, to fix those mistakes. And I am, I can't explain how exactly it works, but I have an incredibly high, you know, success rate finding long-term shelter pets loving homes. And I want to share that with people and I want to help more animals. We thank you for doing that. We thank you for taking time out of your day to share your story with us. Again, the link for Mission Driven will be in the description for this episode. So click on through for more information and definitely to follow Scott and Mission Driven on social media. Scott, thank you for what you do and thank you for taking time with us today. Awesome. I really appreciate it. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Scott Poor, founder of Mission Driven. Visit them at missiondrivengoods.com, and be sure to follow them on social media. I also want to thank alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Learn more about The Wires at thewires.info, and download their music on iTunes. Also, check out FiddleLife.com for Drunken Fiddles Online, Laurel's virtual fiddle classes. There's a link in the description. Support Rosie Fund by following us on social media, and please subscribe to the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel. 
You can support Rosie Fund's mission of helping senior and harder-to-adopt dogs by choosing Rosie Fund as your charity with Amazon Smile. It costs you nothing. Amazon has money to give to charities and wants your help identifying worthy causes. As always, please download, subscribe, rate, and share Dog Words. This helps us with sponsorships. Then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions at rosiefund.org and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor of the Dog Words podcast. Thank you for listening. And remember, we save each other. Thank you.